Within the Geek Cave, there lives a sarcastic woman who jumped the snark years ago. With her cynicism talisman forever upon her neck, she guides you through the cinematic wasteland. It's time for the more than monthly movie review from the GRD Cinemistress, Carol the Cat. Hello, fellow creatures. This is the Cinemistress, and I went to my couch to watch a movie. I watched Prey, which is the latest in the Predator film series, and is currently only streaming on Hulu. I had been meaning to watch this for quite a while, but I just hadn't carved out the time to sit down and watch it, and I wasn't really going to do a review. I was just going to watch it on my own time. I had noticed online that this movie was getting really great reviews, and as with everything that is... Well liked, the inevitable backlash started. A vocal minority started calling this the worst Predator movie ever, saying it was totally unrealistic, though why you're looking for realism in a movie about an alien that comes to Earth to hunt people is a little bit odd. The loudest criticism of this was directed to the fact that this movie has, as its protagonist, a young Native American woman. It basically boiled down to, there's no way this 110-pound woman could successfully fight a predator. So I carved out the time, and I sat down and watched it. And at the end of the movie, I thought, that seemed somewhat realistic. I mean, the way she defeats the predators seemed to be the same as how the other humans defeated the predators in the other movies, right? Then I thought, was I just misremembering all the other predator movies? Did they actually have one where a big dude just beat the crap out of a Predator? Then I noticed that Hulu also had Predator. And Predator 2. An Alien vs. Predator. An Alien vs. Predator Requiem. And Predators. So I watched them all. And now I'm going to talk about them. I'm going to warn you up front, this will be a spoiler-filled episode of every Predator movie, including Prey. I'm not going to save the spoilers until the end. So if you're really curious, probably watch it beforehand. But I'm going to go through them all. I'm going to give you the basic plot and how the Predator or Predators were killed. So let's start at the very beginning, which is a very good place to start, with Predator 1987. This movie came out prior to the internet, which means if you wanted to know anything about a movie before seeing it, you had to have either seen a trailer, read a review in your local newspaper, or watched Siskel and Ebert. I had done none of those things for Predator, and I was dragged to it on opening weekend on a date. I thought it was going to be just another Red Heat Commando ripoff. So imagine my surprise when an alien showed up. I seriously had no clue that this film was science fiction. I don't think you could ever get away with a switcheroo like that ever again. Not with the internet. Because for the first 20 minutes of this movie, it is a Commando ripoff. Arnold Schwarzenegger stars as Dutch, who is the leader of a group of really big guys... Well, a group of really big guys and Shane Black, who go into hostage situations and rescue hostages. They're asked to do a rescue mission in Central America, and when they get to the spot where they're supposed to save the hostages, they realize they've been kind of set up by Dutch's buddy, Dylan, and that they're actually there to kill some Russians and get some intelligence information that was stolen. None of this matters because there's a predator on Earth who starts hunting them. We learn that the predator likes to skin its prey and takes trophies in the form of spinal columns and skulls. It quickly works its way through Dutch's team until only Dutch and Anna, who is an insurgent that the group had found, remain. Anna escapes because she's able to get to the chopper, but Dutch is kind of left behind to fight the predator. 
At no point does Dutch Schwarzenegger this creature. The only time he gets close to it, he gets knocked on his ass. So eventually, he uses the terrain and pins the creature underneath a big tree, at which point the predator sets itself destruct and blows itself up. So in this case, the predator basically killed itself. Dutch's massive physique really doesn't help him a whole lot here, which is one of the reasons why I love this film. But there are many things I really love about this film. I love the creature design. The Predator is just super cool looking. I love the fact that this movie just drips testosterone, but not in a toxic way. None of these guys are really toxic in any way. They tell pussy jokes, but they're the lamest dad jokes you've ever heard. And at no point do they abuse Anna, who they have captured, which is refreshing for a movie that was made in 1987. Yeah, some of the special effects are a little bit 80s, but they're not all that bad. They hold up remarkably well. This is a classic, and I hope they never remake it, because I don't think you could capture the group dynamic as well as this one did. I would give this film 4.25 ray guns out of 5. I'm going to ding it a little bit because that first act of the movie goes on a little bit too long, but that's a minor thing, and this movie holds up remarkably well. And I am actually surprised at how well this movie has aged. Now let's move on to one that didn't age as well. Predator 2 came out in 1990. The movie itself is set in 1997, so 10 years after the events of the first film. Danny Glover stars as Lieutenant Harrigan, who is a Los Angeles police officer. Los Angeles is currently having a massive heat wave and is in the midst of a drug war between the Colombians and the Jamaicans. In the midst of all this, the Predator decides to hunt in Los Angeles. This seems like a really, really bad idea, but that's what they decided to do. The first third of this movie deals mainly with that drug war, which of course has nothing at all to do with the rest of the film, which is a predator hunting humans. For some reason, the predator is hunting both Colombians and Jamaicans, kind of pitting the drug cartels against each other, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless the predator came here to score some cheap cocaine. We do learn that a predator will not kill a pregnant woman in this movie, so that's nice of them. In the end, Harrigan chases down the predator and follows it into its ship, which is apparently just parked in Los Angeles. I'm sure there were parking tickets all over its windshield. And he kills the Predator with its own weapon. So once again, muscles and brawn are not in play here. He kills it with its own technology. At which point, a bunch of other Predators kind of materialize and take the body and give Harrigan a a trophy. They give him a, a flintlock pistol from 1719. Not bad as far as trophies go. This movie is a hot mess, but it is not an unfun hot mess. It's kind of fun to watch. I love how Los Angeles is depicted as this war zone with massive gun battles in the middle of the street every day. It's incredibly bloody. It's very, very silly. And the predators don't seem very smart in their hunting tactics here. I'm giving this one 2.5 ray guns. It's not the worst one I've watched. But it's it's right in the middle. It's right in the middle. Bill Paxton is killed in this film, making him one of the few actors that was killed by a Terminator, a Predator, and an alien. Of course, the biggest thing to come out of this film was the scene where Danny Glover goes onto the Predator ship and sees the Predator's trophy case, because in that trophy case is a xenomorph skull from the Alien franchise. And the fans went completely wild and immediately wanted an Alien versus Predator movie. A comic book series was developed, and then in 2000, 
2004, we got the film AVP Alien vs. Predator. And here we hit the bottom of the barrel, because man, this movie was a chore to get through. First off, it's dark. And I don't mean as in dark as my soul. I mean dark as in I can't see anything. It also espouses that annoying theory that early civilizations couldn't possibly have built things, so they obviously had alien help. In this case, it's the Predators building the pyramids and being worshipped as gods and bringing down xenomorph eggs onto Earth so they could sacrifice humans to the xenomorphs so aliens could burst from their chests and then the Predators could hunt them. Why are they doing this on Earth? I don't know. Predators got a hard-on for our planet. But then the xenomorphs overran everything because they're xenomorphs and that's what they do. And then the predators had to nuke everything from orbit just to be sure. Fast forward to 2004 where a group of explorers are investigating one of the abandoned pyramids in Antarctica. This group is led by Charles Whelan from Whelan-Yutani, which is a company from the Alien franchise. And Lex, who's an experienced guide and kind of de facto leader of the expedition. In the pyramid, they find xenomorph eggs, and of course, half the team is immediately assimilated by xenomorphs. The other half of the team is killed by predators up top because the predators, I don't know, maybe one of the eggs texted the predators, haha, we're still alive, and they came down to kill them all because they don't want the xenomorphs overrunning their hunting ground, I guess. In the end, we were left with Lex and Scar, one of the predators. The remaining predators were killed off by aliens, so no humans killed any predators here. Lex and Scar fight the Queen Mother alien. Scar is mortally wounded in this fight, so all of the predators were killed by aliens in this movie. And then a bunch of his buddies come down to pick up his body, and they realize that Lex helped helped him. So they give her some alien tech and take his body and fly off, leaving her alone in Antarctica. And I'm sure Danny Glover's like, oh, she gets alien tech and I get an old flintlock? On the Predator ship as they fly away, a Preda alien bursts from Scar's chest, and that's the end of the movie. This movie is bad. It's really bad. Alien is one of my most favorite movies of all time, and I absolutely love the xenomorphs from that franchise. Here, they're just wasted. You can barely see them because the movie is so freaking dark. Xenomorphs have highly corrosive acid for blood. Here, it's either highly corrosive or barely corrosive, depending on whether or not they need it to burn through something. Scar actually uses the alien blood to mark himself on his face when he kills one. I'm not going to guess what the composition of predator skin is like, so maybe that would work. But at one point, he also marks Lex in the same place. And I'm like, no, you, you're you putting holes in her cheek at that point because that's highly corrosive acid. It's not going to leave this little tender little scar. It, it, it's going to burn holes in her face. It's also rated PG-13, so it didn't even have good gore. This is just a lame film. It's very lame. I'm giving it 1.25 ray guns. You can skip this one. Next up, Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Because, of course, Alien vs. Predator made money, so they made a sequel. I have no idea why it's called Requiem. I guess it just sounded cool. This came out in 2007 and takes place immediately following the end of the last film. The Predator ship is leaving Earth's orbit when the little Predator alien bursts from Scar's chest and decimates the crew and they crash land in Colorado. Because these predators were particularly stupid, they had a bunch of face huggers on their ships. So immediately, this little town, Gunnison in Colorado, is overrun with xenomorphs. 
Another predator shows up to help kill the aliens, and in the end, a bunch of humans die. The Preda alien and the predator kill each other in combat, and the army drops a nuke on the town. Or a bomb on the town. It blows the town up. So again, all of the predators here are killed by xenomorphs. Not one of them is killed by a human. The humans you're supposed to care about here are two brothers and uh, army helicopter pilot and her young daughter. I can't remember any of their names. This one's slightly, ever so slightly more watchable than Alien vs. Predator, but not by much. I'm giving it 1.5. You can skip both of these films. They're just bad. And if you're looking for good gore, both of them are rated PG-13. What you can see is minimal because they're both dark. Next up, Predators 2010. Hey, remember when they tried to make Adrian Brody an action hero? And then thankfully Wes Anderson came over and said, Oh, no, no, honey. No, this isn't for you. Come with me. You're quirky. Here he stars as Royce, who is, I believe, a mercenary for hire. Anyway, Royce wakes up in free fall over a jungle. Once he lands, he realizes he's not the only person who was in free fall, and he meets a bunch of very bad humans, and they all realize that they're on a different planet. They're basically on the Predator's hunting preserve. They've been transported off Earth, and they've been dropped here for a hunt. We learn in this film that there's two different types of Predators, one smaller than the other, and that they are battling each other for reasons. I'm sure they're very good predator reasons why they're fighting. All of the humans here are horrible, horrible people, which is why the predators picked them up because they felt they'd be good prey. Not sure how they got that dude out of San Quentin death row, but there he is. This is the movie where you come closest to a human killing a predator in hand-to-hand combat. There's three large predators in this movie and one small predator. One large predator is blown up when one of the groups sacrifices himself and grabs him with a bunch of grenades. The second large one is killed when a member of the Yakuza who's on the planet kills it with his katana. I have to admit, it's a pretty cool fight. But he dies along with the predator. The small predator is killed by the last large predator who is named Berserker, because apparently all these predators have names. But Berserker kills the small predator. And in the end, it's down to Royce and Isabella, who is a sniper, Royce booby traps another one of the group with a bunch of grenades, wounding Berserker gravely, and then while Isabella distracts him, he kills him with an axe. This is the movie where humans actively fight a predator and win, but only because they have a lot of weapons and in particular grenades at their disposal. This also has a really ambiguous ending because Royce and Isabella are just stuck on this planet and a new group of prey is dropped in. I'm not sure who's going to hunt them because all the predators are dead, but I guess more will show up. Whatever. This film isn't terrible. I kind of like this film. I like the fact that it's not set on Earth. I like the idea of a predator hunting ground. Adrian Brody's not particularly believable as an action hero, but he's also not terrible here. There's probably one too many characters in this film. Lawrence Fishburne is underutilized and kind of wasted here. Also, they make a big deal about Topher Grace's character being a serial killer, but all of these people are serial killers in their own way. They kill for hire. So I'm not quite sure why he was any different. I'm giving this a solid three ray guns. This one is watchable. Next up, The Predator. Came out in 2018. I did a full review of this when it came out. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. This is the only one that's not currently streaming on Hulu. I rented it because I figured I'd complete the entire series. This one is just a major disappointment. The first five minutes in particular are very silly. 
one of the smaller predators crash lands on Earth and then hops out and immediately kills and skins a dude. Not sure why he felt that was necessary, but immediately kills and skins a dude. We know it's immediate because the Corinthian, and yes, Boyd Holbrook will forever be known as the Corinthian from now on. And that is your cue to go watch The Sandman because it is amazing. Sees the ship crash and immediately goes to investigate. And then he sees the Predator because the Predator for some reason turns off his cloaking device and goes, you know, hi there, and then turns it back on. And then the Corinthian steals a bunch of tech from the... from the crashed spaceship. Your group of victims here are a bunch of people from a military mental institution. Their mental illness is played for jokes, in particular Thomas Jane's character who suffers from Tourette's. Um, I say played as jokes, but none of the jokes here are funny. Autism is portrayed as a magical power that allows a seven-year-old to just magically know how to use alien tech and decipher alien language. Somewhere Lieutenant Uhura is screaming, that's not how linguistics work. A big predator comes down to Earth to hunt the smaller predator, eventually killing it. And then it looks for the tech that the smaller predator had, because apparently that predator stole some tech and crashed it on Earth for a purpose. Olivia Munn is in this, and she stars as Casey, who's an evolutionary biologist, who for some reason is shortlisted by the government to be their alien expert. In the end, the larger predator is taken out with his own weapons. So nobody beats the crap out of it. It's taken down with its own gun. Later on, we learn that the military now has a predator division that is being run by the seven-year-old and his dad and that the little predator it it basically left an iron man suit which will help humans against the larger predators we don't seem to be having too much of a problem with the predators at this point but apparently we needed an iron man suit also we learned that the predators are mixing our dna with their dna to create a better animal to hunt I'm not sure what I gave this in my initial review. I didn't go back and listen to it, but I'm giving this two ray guns. It's just not a fun film. It's one of those films that is trying to be funny, but then you're asking yourself, is that a joke? And if you have to ask yourself, is that a joke? Then it's not really a funny joke. We did learn one thing from this, and that is if you are not viewed as threatening, the predator will pass you by because you're not fun to hunt if you're not a threat. Which brings us to our latest entry. Yes, 20 minutes later, we're getting to the movie she actually meant to review, Prey. This film is directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who previously directed 10 Cloverfield Lane, kind of underrated movie that I really enjoyed. And it stars Amber Midthunder as Nauru, a young Comanche woman who ends up fighting the Predator. This movie is set in 1719 in North America, where a Predator comes down to basically hunt. That's what they do. Here, Nauru, like most of the women of her tribe, has been trained to be a healer, but she really wants to be a warrior like her brother. While out practicing her axe skills and her tracking skills, she sees a predator ship land. Of course, she has no idea what it is. In an effort to prove herself, she goes with her brother to hunt a mountain lion that has been terrorizing the tribe. She doesn't quite make her mark as a warrior yet. She gets knocked unconscious and her brother has to drag her back home. But she is convinced that there's something other than the mountain lion that is out there terrorizing her people. So she goes to track it and she comes across a bunch of skinned buffalo and a bear. And when the bear attacks her, she makes herself very small and the predator comes and kills the bear. So she knows that there's something very weird out there. Her brother sends a group of Comanche warriors out to find her and they do and they tie her up to bring her back to the tribe when they are attacked by the predator. Nuru realizes during this fight that if she is not a threat, the predator really has no interest in her. She is then 
captured by a group of French trappers. They are the ones who killed all of the buffalo. But they are also aware that there's something out there. And they have not only captured her, they have captured her brother. So they use her and her captured brother as bait for the predator to draw it out and attempt to kill it. But of course, the predator has no interest in tied up prey, so it kills most of the Frenchmen. Once they free themselves, Nauru tries to help one of the injured Frenchmen, um, one that has a very nice flintlock revolver, and she gives him some herbs that lowers his body temperature because she's trying to stop the bleeding. And when the predator arrives, she makes herself small, so she is no not a threat to it. And then she realizes that it can't see the Frenchman because she has lowered his body temperature. So she realizes that this creature sees things with heat signatures. She uses this to her advantage later on by hiding behind a fire. In the end, her and her brother fight the predator and weaken it a bit, but it kills her brother and she resorts to using the land. She traps it in a bog and then she uses its own gun to kill it. Once again, she does not fight this creature Mono a preto. She doesn't beat him up. She's not hitting him with a stick. She tries once to actually climb on top of him and do some damage, and she's immediately just thrown. She's not some super strong supergirl that kills the predator with her muscles. She uses her brains and the predator's own technology against it, like every other human that has come into contact with a predator in this entire movie series. I don't know how this is any more or less realistic than Danny Glover killing the Predator with its gun. The main argument against this film seems to boil down to, ooh, a woman is doing things and I don't like it. And that is just a really shitty argument. I really liked Prey. This is easily the best Predator movie since the first one. I love the setting. I love the fact that it tied itself to Predator 2 with that flintlock revolver. I loved Nauru as a character. Yes, she's a very strong female. That's not a bad thing. I like the fact that they kind of got back to basics and were only dealing with one Predator, not a whole series of them in different sizes and blood feuds. This is just one predator who's here for a hunt. How she killed it made perfect sense to me. And thank you, movie, for not killing the dog. I watched the English version of this movie. There is a Comanche version because they did the whole thing in English and then they did the whole thing in Comanche. I plan on watching the Comanche one because it was a little bit strange that they were speaking English. I will also say the CGI here isn't the best, but I'm going to say this. I've come to a point in my movie-going experiences that I will put up with a bad CGI bear if it means that you're not using a real bear in your film. I don't think we need to be using real wild animals in our movies anymore. It's one thing to have horses or dogs because they're domesticated, but bears, you're never going to domesticate them. You can try. But I just feel that any large or wild animal is a bit exploited in the movie business. I think if you can get away with using CGI, do it. Even if the CGI doesn't look top-notch, I'd prefer that to exploiting a bear. But yeah, some of the CGI looked pretty bad. But that's a minor complaint. This is actually a really good film. I'm giving Prey four ray guns out of five. Not quite the original, but close. And there you have it. All of the Predator movies in one go. (laughs) 
I kind of expected the Alien versus Predator movies would be at the bottom of the barrel, and they are. But I don't regret watching them. This was kind of a fun Predator week. I've come to the conclusion that Predators are kind of the rich douche bros of the galaxy. They just waste all of that technology going to other planets just to hunt creatures that are ill-equipped to deal with their technology and size. And they've been doing this since humans were fighting them with spears. I say douche bros, but there could have been some douche Brenda's in there. We don't really know what the different sexes of predators look like, or even if they have different sexes. Although I'm sure there's a lot of fan fiction out there that deals explicitly with predator sex life. But as it stands, they have way too much time on their hands and probably using that technology for something better than killing things. This is the Cinemistress signing off. I may have to do this with another series of films. This was kind of fun. GRD is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. Come check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and hit up our website at geekradiodaily.com. Find more of Carol the Cat at guardiansofthegeekery.com and purplehairedpixie.com. 